Hey everyone, this is Stefan Miller and welcome to The Forever Student. Our next guest has a deep passion for helping people break through their perceived barriers and help achieve their dreams. He's the founder of the Robert Simich Coaching Institute, where he hosts live coaching courses, NLP training, workshops, and so much more. Today, we'll get to know him a little bit better and understand how we can change to become and remain happy and fulfilled. Robert Simich, welcome to The Forever Student. Could you tell us a bit more about your story and specifically how you got into the world of helping people break their barriers and achieve their dreams? Look, it's been a while since I got to share my story this way. Uh, I think my story is somewhat unique and then yet it seems so, so natural. I come from very humble beginnings, from a poverty-stricken country, you know, war and those things. And I guess I was raised in an environment where I was always hoping for greener grass, you know, for for better future. And at some stage in my life, while I grew up on concrete, so you know, Belgrade, um, I always found my way around. I always did better, I guess, than than most of my, should I say, neighbors or friends. But it was never enough, and for me being in a queue waiting for a milk or, or having connections to get milk, you know, <laughs> didn't seem like, like a future I wanted to raise my kids in. So eventually after the major wars were done, I, I went overseas and looking for greener pastures. I guess back then I didn't know that grass is not greener elsewhere. It's greener where you water it, <laughs> you know? So, so road took me to different countries, different places, different manual labor jobs, because mind you, I didn't even speak English back then. So the only jobs I could find is, you know, manual labor. I was washing cars in Mykonos Island, Greece. Uh, I wanted to go to state, but didn't get visa, so I couldn't. <laughs> you know, so, so I had all sorts of night shift uh, jobs in, in, a, in a factory in a Germany, connecting two parts together, assembly line. So, so through all that journey, I guess there was no room for, for personal development or helping other people, if you know what I mean. It was more on the survival side. So I've been chasing money basically my whole life, trying to, to create a better life for myself, I guess. Um, journey took me to South Africa, again, starting from scratch again. And, and basically, once I had a decent job where I could settle down and, you know, have working hours and then come home and have some me time, I guess. There's a time when I got back to, to my, apparently I had those hobbies before, I just didn't remember really. My mom reminded me recently. Uh, I was apparently reading Carl Jung and those things way back there when I was a kid, if you know what I mean, like <laughs> I can spare time and I don't even remember this. So apparently the journey started much earlier in terms of my, should I say, keen passion for human mind or our belief system. And I think most of my time was really spent around finding a way to change my beliefs. Because I think early in this, in this journey, I, I, I learned that my belief system is like pillars of my reality. You know, in other words, you know, Henry Ford said, whether you believe that you can or that you can't, you're right, as in you prove yourself right. So, so from that perspective, I've been really looking for ways to change my belief system because obviously if in my reality, I don't have money, right? That means that I got to change some beliefs or should I say my relationship with money. And, and really it's been a struggle. It's been a chasing, chasing, chasing. And whatever I had, it was never enough. So, so on the journey, I, I discovered things like NLP and, and, and some other tools that brings me to this, should I say, life coaching industry. Um, Prior to NLP, all I've found really was different affirmations and things, how to change belief system, how to change those things was really doing affirmations, a bunch of affirmations. Could you tell us a little more just about affirmation and what they are? Well, affirmation is, is for me obsolete in terms of, you know, there's so, so many more efficient tools to use, but most people are aware of, I think, uh, uh, affirmations. In other words, the, the story is like, if you recognize that you have a limiting belief, like let's say I'm not good enough, I'm not competent or I, I don't have confidence or I'll never have that. You know, any one of those beliefs, those convictions that, that we buy into, then the approach to change those through affirmations is to come up with the opposite, something positive. So you say pretty much the opposite. I remember myself drilling this one down. Uh, I would look myself in the mirror. That's part of the process and, and put a big smile on my face and get really elevated in terms of energy and say to the mirror to myself, you know, like, I am a millionaire, you know, and I'm supposed to like own that statement. And yet what was in my way, and I think it would be in everyone's way, your body just kicks in and, and, and it knows that you're lying. So when I was like, I'm a millionaire, you know, behind me, there was this, this really crappy apartment, <laughs> you know? So my, my body went like, <laughs> like, no, you're not, you know? So, so basically through the process of affirmations, while they do work, if you were to do it long enough, 
with in the right way, because there's wrong ways to do it too. But if you do it in the right way, long enough, three times a day, with a lot of persistence and will, you actually affect your beliefs. In fact, affirmations tend to work almost right away because you feel better the moment you do it. Problem is that the moment you stop doing it, you realize nothing changed. So that's a bummer with affirmations, unless you do it for, I don't want to like limit anyone, but it seems to me it takes about two years of hard work to change your belief like that. So I've done it that way. In my life, I changed a lot of things that way. I, I was one of those doers. You know, I would, I would persist. I would go through the wall. Uh, and it served me. And yet I found later on when I tried to help other people and give them that as one of the tools how to make some changes, most people don't, don't succeed. They don't last that long, should I say. It's, it's like signing up for a new gym contract. You know, I'm going to get healthier now and I'm going to get in shape, sign a contract, pay for it, right? And then what? A week later, two weeks later? Be already full of reasons and excuses why it's okay to maybe skip Tuesday, <laughs> you know, like, and those things. So, so most people don't last any time and we are trying to make conscious change, should I say. Because misunderstanding is in, in, you know, how the mind works to begin with. So affirmations in my toolbox, they no longer exist because it's, it's such an obsolete tool that it's major waste of time because I know, like, you know, I can change a belief in five minutes, for example. So, so there's a big difference, if you know, in terms of gap of having this kind of understanding versus the old. But I'm giving you the story in terms of how I started. I was really on the, all I knew is I got to change my beliefs. So I was chasing for that. Psychology tells me you can change some beliefs, but the core dominant beliefs, you can't change them. They're just who you are. And if I believed that back then, I guess my journey would end there probably. Um, much later, I found other knowledge that suggests otherwise, that we can change, that none of those beliefs are set in the stone, if you know what I mean. And I think this is also useful for you or your audience to, to hear. And I think it's such a beautiful reminder that I can't dish out enough, if you know what I mean. A lot of people have this relationship with their beliefs as if they're, it's their identity. In other words, we identify with anything we use after I am. You know what I mean? So the so problem with that is the identity is something that's really, really close to our heart. We take it very personally, right? So, so when it comes to having a belief that has to do with your identity, changing those seems like I'll become someone else, if you know what I mean. I'll, 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 like changing who I am. You know, it's almost scary for some people. Even if it sounds positive, I want to change this for better, but it's still the unknown of who will I become kind of sometimes scares them and, and sabotages them to even go for the change, even if they knew how to change, right? So, so I, a beautiful reminder is this, that I believe that when we came into this world as babies, Chances are you didn't even know language, never mind had beliefs, if you know what I mean. I believe that all your knowledge, all your beliefs, all your behavior, all your values, things that you find important, all of it, all your behaviors, it's all learned. In other words, when you were a baby, you didn't know about money. You didn't know about relationships. You didn't know about health. You didn't know about anything, really. You modeled your immediate environment, whether it was your parents or whoever raised you, I guess, or your siblings later on. The idea is that we modeled other people learning about life, learning about ourselves, our, our boundaries, what we can do, what we can't do. And some total of all that got imprinted into our psyche. So if you want to change your belief today, I don't care how personal or how much you identify yourself with it, changing such belief can never change who you really are. It simply changes one of the programs that you, we can say, inherited or adopted early in your childhood. I'm talking about the, the, the stage of our life from zero to seven years old. We're like a little sponge walking around, gathering, collecting all this knowledge, if that makes sense, making the sense of the world, really, and through experience learning. So if I've done something three times and didn't succeed, you know, I generalize in my mind. I go, oh, I can't do this. But if you hold on to that idea, that idea becomes a belief. And from there on, it's like a self-actualizing prophecy. You know, as we keep proving ourselves right, because we need to make sense of the world. So the idea is that if you want to change anything in your life, I don't care if it's to do with your very identity, I think it's a good reminder to know that you don't get to change who you really are. You're only changing some programs, some, some stuff you adopted by modeling other people. And I sometimes they're saying, we learned all those things by, by modeling some other broken people. And by broken, you know, I mean, people who don't even have what we want to have or people who are not fulfilled, not happy in life. And why would I take their advice in them? I mean, we all, I don't know how old you are, but, but we all kind of were raised in a very similar way, I think, by our parents. They just, they just do the best they can with resources they have available, and they want to protect us. They want to raise us, shape us, prepare us for the real world. In that process, 
we get imprinted all sorts of limitations in terms of what world awaits us out there. And I guess to a great extent, I'm doing the same for my kids now. You know, I bet I'll do a better job in this context alone for my children, but who knows how many limitations I am even imposing on my kids unaware of that that's a limitation. But good reminder is that all our limitations, all our beliefs, all our programs really, they just learned, they adopted. And therefore, we can unlearn them and update them if you have the right tools and the right set of knowledge and skills. Does that make sense? That makes absolute sense. And at, and at what point, so I have a couple of, a couple of follow-up questions there because it's a, it's a fascinating story and, and everything that you've done seems very sort of self-motivated, right? Like, like you, you went through all these different jobs in all these different countries and you realized, you know, maybe a switch went off or, or, or maybe something clicked where you were like, you know, I need to not, I need to stop chasing money or security and I need to start focusing on something different. When did that sort of switch happen? I remember what comes up to my mind. I don't know if that was the switch, but, but just to kind of get to there in, in my story, I eventually lost my job, the, the one that gave me all that comfort and, and you know, I spent a couple of years building this company for my boss, obviously, and I excelled in the company very quickly, but then I got to the position just below him, if you know what I mean. So I was running the place to, to the great extent, and I, I turned this company over like a million times, and it became something completely different from what it was when I, when I joined. So I felt pretty safe, if that makes sense, the whole corporate dream, you know, like uh, get a safe job, uh, safe salary. That kind of thing. So, so I really created life. And, and I was driving back then Audi A6. For me, that was like a dream car back then. Uh, I had a nice house, not fancy villa, but nice house. Uh, life was really good. And at 5 p.m., I was at home and we had me time, me and my girlfriend. You know what I mean? We could travel. We could afford everything. I could go skydiving. I, I was doing, I was living life. And I was finally achieved something that I guess I inherited in my childhood. Get a safe job, get a good salary. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, problem is that those four years about later, uh, I came back to work one day and boss was there with, with this gloomy face. You know, when you walk into a room and it looks like somebody died, you know, like something's really bad. And he got in himself to tell me that basically he can afford now to go fishing and that it's time for uh, his son to take over the company, which is what he's doing. And his son decided to let me go because he'll take over my responsibilities and those things. Technically, he told me, dude, you fired. He, he, you know, it was, back then, we didn't have those retrenchment packages and things, you know? It was like, hey, off you go. So I literally could just take my little things and, and leave the office. I remember for five or so days, I was still going every day to work and back, as far as my wife was concerned. I just couldn't bear the, to tell her that, that you know, this happened. It was, it was like this tiger that I always was you know, chasing from country to country, you know, that part, that one fell asleep. I was, I was so comfortable in this, in this position that I created back there. And, and, and this was this rude, 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 really heavy, rude awakening for me that, and the realization that I think stays with me since then, for as long as you leave your financial future in somebody else's hand, you're always going to be at, should I say, mercy of their decisions. I don't want to make it dark, I, I guess. It's great if you have a good corporate job and feel safe. And I also know it's an illusion, <laughs> if you know what I mean. This whole safety or certainty around it, it's a great illusion. And back then, I think in the anger and whatever, I, I swore to myself, I'll never, ever let this happen again. In other words, I would never let uh, my financial future to be decided by someone else. So I started this whole, I'm going to make money online, work from home. And I, dude, I tried like everything. In the process, I lost my car, I lost my house because I realized all this comfort life, there was all installments. You know, bank was owning this thing, not me. <laughs> you know, I had zero financial knowledge, just so, just so you know. So from that moment onwards, I had this rapid personal development story because I had all the time in the world on my hands. And instead of going to chase for another safe job, I, I really went into, I got to change my world from the day. And I was going to do this now or it's the end of the world for me. So, so one journey to the next one, from NLP to different modalities, to different techniques. Before I knew, I realized what I have on my hands is a new career. In other words, I could actually start this as a career, get paid by coaching others, applying the same knowledge and sharing this passion with others and make a living out of it because, you know, I really needed to make a living back then. I was still chasing money. I'm just, I was, my whole life I was chasing money. 
And then, by the way, I never had one of chasing. <laughs> so, so, so the idea was when you asked me for this tipping point, there's many of those little crucial moments. But one that came to my mind when you asked me, I am at a traffic light in South Africa, and 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 a you know homeless guy comes to the to the to my window, you know, like begging for money. And man, something happened in the moment. I'm I'm driving a nice car again. I was again in Audi A6, but even nicer one. This was a couple of months later, and and I'm living in a in a golf estate villa beautiful, secure, safe home, you know, like greenery, really amazing stuff. Um, and I should be happy, right? I should be fulfilled because I, I finally made it and, and I'm the boss, you know, like I depend on my own marketing and, you know, my, my own business. And, and there was this guy and he's, he's like asking for money and something about his smile really affected me. It saved me. I drew off because, you know, I was, I was all hectic and, 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 and in a rush, <laughs> you know? But it stayed for me almost for the rest of the day because I was thinking to myself, who's at fault here? Who's at wrong here? Is it him with no home, with no shelter, with no food for him, no clue what's going to happen this afternoon, never mind tomorrow? He seemed more content, should I say. He had more calmness about him than I. In other words, is he cursed being so shallow and not even understanding that he could have more? Or is it me that, that's cursed Regardless of how much I have, I never have enough. Because I was on this treadmill. I was swimming with sharks all the time. You know, like I was always on this chase of my life. This guy seemed like so centered, so calm that it really affected me. Much later, I think I learned that lesson. I learned that our unconscious mind, or this, this thing that runs the show uh, and does all those things for our body and, and our lives, it's, it's wired for growth. It's wired for constantly wanting more. And I think that's that fine line between when you, when you need more, I think you have a problem. You're in a very different, should I say, frequency. You're in a very different focus, very different state of mind when you need more. You come, you're coming out of lack. You need more. Where, where if you have whatever you have and you want more, that seems to be absolutely natural. Because mind you, my journey took me from, from far west to far east to, you know, I've been all over the world. I don't care how they call it. Is it NLP or, or Tibet? You know, like, Hawaii, wherever the knowledge comes from, I was just thirsty for finding better techniques. So having all sorts of experiences like that, one lesson I learned is that when I don't have the answer of how it works, if you know what I mean, something in my life, I go back to nature. I found that we all have all the answers really within us, never mind nature, because we're also part of nature, but it's easier to see kind of outside for most people. Uh, if you look at the, the grass felt, have you ever seen one leaf of grass? No, left alone, that will spread and grow. You become a grass field. You won't see one tree. You'll see a forest if we weren't around, <laughs> you know? So nature by default is, is kind of wired for expansion, for constant growth. So wanting more seems totally natural. It's okay. Needing more presupposes that you don't have enough and presupposes you're not happy with what you have and all those other things. There's a major little difference. So if you ask me for those moments, I'm kind of highlighting me losing that safe job that, that, that I had. Major rude wake-up wake call for me. And never since I, I, I worked in, in a corporate or, or any business outside of my, I work for people, I serve people, if you know what I mean, I work for clients, but, but I don't have a boss above me, if that makes any sense. I made that as an as a, as a oath. And, and it has been, it's been working for me because since then I created this career where, well, nowadays, in like last 15 years or so, actually nowadays, for me, this is all like yesterday. Uh, last 15 years, I've been running Robert Simic Coaching Institute and, and it's really based on this idea of, I don't care if you want to call it life coaching or NLP or hypnosis or this, or I don't care how old the knowledge is. Uh, what I managed to do in a way is I, I managed to kind of create a place where science, latest scientific knowledge about our brains, neurology. Uh, so all the latest quantum physics, all the latest quantum, all the latest knowledge comes together with all the spiritual stuff that I understand. So for me, this institute is a place where, where science and spirituality kind of comes together in unity because for me, it's the same story. Where in the past, it was this or that, if you know what I mean. Even for scientists, they can't bring their spirituality to work, if you know what I mean. And obviously, other way around. So, so for me, given the journey I had so far and experience, for, for me, it's the same story, really. That we're only confirming scientifically, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. Around, but but it's 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 just what comes to mind when, when you're asking me those things. So so who knows how many little points I had like this? But for me, born to learn, born to grow, born to experience, 
And here I am, I'm still learning. I'm still a student of life. I, I, I train thousands of, of coaches worldwide and, and, and I still learn with them, if that makes sense. I never left the room. We, we have this saying that in my training room, we are in the learning mode, you know, we are, we are the students. So, so for me, when they ask me, how come did you get so quickly to where you're at in your life right now? That's usually my answer. My default answer is I never left the room because Robert that's on the stage teaching these things, uh, Robert that's off the stage during the break, Robert that's in the evening on the beach, if you know me with friends, you always get the same guy. In other words, I live this stuff. I own it in my cells, if that makes sense. And, and, and it's the same story. So I never left the room. I'm always in a coach mode, if that makes sense rather than put a coach cap, cap when I'm with clients and then a very different cap on when I'm with friends. I, I managed to kind of release all those masks, if that makes sense. Can we, can we dive a little deeper into, uh, because you've mentioned NLP and you've mentioned life coaching uh, a few times now. Could you kind of run us through what each of those are and what kind of impact it can have on a person that interacts with it on a, I suppose, a significant level? I'm like, uh, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can give you the shortest overview of, let's call it this industry, because mind you, I mentioned life coaching and NLP because it's probably the most dominant terminology used nowadays. Everybody has at least heard of it. Kind of. Unlike me 10 years ago, like I lived in Cyprus, I, I, I had a home back then. And, and, and telling somebody locally, what do you do? I'm a life coach. And they go, life, what is in these two words? Just don't go, you know, coach for, Soccer, yes. Uh, rugby coach, duh. Golf coach, makes sense. Life coach, it just doesn't make any sense in their heads, you know? And I'm thinking nowadays everybody has heard of life coaching. Question is, though, what did they hear about it and what they think it is, if you know me, because, because it's, it's a minefield out there. So, so let me give you shortest version of this that I can. All right, then stop me anytime if you want to interact with me, if you have questions about what I said. Um, let's see. In the context of who can do what for people? In other words, when it comes to, let's call it coaching altogether, okay? When you go to a coach, I really don't care what your presenting problem is because chances are that you have a result in your life that you want to change somehow. Chances are you have a result, whether it's your relationship, whether it's your business, whether it's your health, whether it's your financial, doesn't matter what the area of life is, there is a area of your life that you have the awareness, you have the consciousness about it, that there is a problem and you wish it to be different. Mind you though, I don't call it problems, I call it results. Because I have clients that are super successful, like we could just envy their results in a way, and yet they want more. But they don't come to me saying my business sucks. No, they tell me, dude, my business is out of this world, working unbelievably good, but I reached my ceiling. I need a breakthrough. I need a coach to help me go over my personal business barriers so I can expand my business even more. So by no means this guy has a problem, and yet he's stuck in some way, or he has a result, you see, that he wants to change somehow for better. So obviously in, in the coaching world, there's much more clients who have a, what they would call a problem rather than a result, but terminology shouldn't change just because of the nature of the, shall I say, circumstance. So for our conversation, our labels here, let's call it results. Whoever you are, wherever you are in your life right now, if I ask you anything about your relationships, your financial stuff, your, your health, what will come out of you is some response, but that's a result in your life. You, 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 obviously, it makes sense, right? So, so watch this. Clients come to us with results that they have and they want to change them. Whether they are in pain and they want to change it or whether they have good life but they want even more. Whatever the case is, they come to us with a result. Now, Depending from the nature of the result, or should I say context of their situation in life, they go to different coaches. If he wants to be better at golfing, he goes to a golf coach, <laughs> right? If it's a behavioral type of learning, then you need a mentor, really, not a coach. Uh, let's actually start with this in terms of labels. You get coaches and you get mentors. And a lot of coaches out there call themselves coaches, yet they are actually acting like mentors. Mentor for me is somebody who has sufficient life experience in that context of life they are expert in, let's say, golf. They know the behavior. They know the steps, how to get you to do and to create a behavior that will get you that result. In other words, all mentors understand that whatever results you have in your life, it's created by behavior. Okay? It's our behavior that creates results. Now, if this was like a bigger audience, somebody would complain, oh, it's not like all my behavior. It's, like, it's stuff that you did, but also stuff that you didn't do. 
that creates results. In other words, some total of your doing and not doing. I'm not saying you did this and that created that. Well, sometimes that happened because you didn't do this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, so the idea is that some total of all our behavior creates results. Okay. Now, if you're a golf coach, let's say, if you're um, a business expert on specific area of business and you're in the consulting business, you're giving advice to people, specific what to do kind of strategies, you should be calling yourself a mentor, not a coach in terms of labels. Okay. And that's one of the big misconceptions in the world because everybody is a coach nowadays. And yet when you look at their work, what they do, they're giving advice to people. For me, that's mentoring, not, not coaching. All right. So some total of all my behavior creates results. Every coach, every mentor in the world knows this. When you go to a golf coach, what happens? You whack that ball, it goes to a wrong place, right? It ends up in the bush. What would you coach or your mentor tell you? But they say, oh, come next day, maybe, maybe it was too windy, maybe it was the ocean, the tides, the moon, you know, like all those usual excuses. Maybe you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. No, none of those coaches will ever tell you that. They say, no, dude, it's what you did just now. It's always like you, right? So let me tell you, your posture, your focus, your swing, you know, they'll, they'll tweak specific behaviors of yours in order to create a different result. I think you're even probably familiar with Einstein's uh, quote. Um, definition for, for insanity, doing the same things over and over, expecting different results. So it really comes down to that. Dude, unless you change how you go about it, you keep getting, you're going to keep getting the same result, which is not 100% true. I don't know if you want me to go to, to greater detail on that one. It's not true that if you keep doing same things, you're always getting the same results. Same Just more. ask how many companies that are out of business right now they just kept doing whatever they were doing the last 100 years, but it no longer works. So especially if you're having a problem in your life, doing the same over and over, continuing that, things don't get stay the same. They get, they get worse. Anyway, that's a little sub note, <laughs> side note. Okay, so back to the big picture. This is easier with slides to follow up. So I'm going to keep repeating this, that behavior, some total of my behavior creates results. Every coach knows this, any industry, any from golf coach to soccer coach, every coach knows this. Now, when it comes to life coaching, it's a bit tricky. Life coach is the only person who has a challenge explaining to his clients that his behavior creates results. <laughs> no other coach has this problem because it's just obvious, right? With life and those things, but I can't paint your picture and trace back specifically how specifically you cause this thing in your life. It's not easy to buy into because people, we have this other saying in terms of one's attitude, uh, you're either living on the cause side of life or on the effect side of life. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this concept of empowerment because for me, it's a big one because that's, that's, that's empowerment. You know, everybody wants to be empowered and they're looking for empowerment outside of themselves as if somebody can make me empowered. You come to my kind of a coach, I can't make you empowered. However, I can share knowledge with you about empowerment for you to realize that empowerment is only an attitude. What I mean by that is that it's good news because nobody can give you empowerment, but nobody can take it away from you either because it's just an attitude, meaning it's an internal game. Okay, so how do you go about it? Well, when it comes to results in life, you can pretend that it happened to you and you didn't do it. It just happened to you. Call it bad luck, call it someone else's will, call it whatever, whatever excuse, if I can use that word lightly. Reason is a better word, I guess. Whatever reasoning you come up with for, to justify how it wasn't your fault goes. And, and we call that effect side of life. When I excuse myself from causing this thing in my life and I put myself on the effect side, meaning it happened to me. They did it to me. Uh, I'll give you a classic coaching example. Client comes to me. Well, I don't even get those clients anymore, but, but there's, a, there's a textbook example. Client comes to me and he says, I can't make enough money. You know, money is a problem, blah, blah. Right. So I ask him, okay, so, so why don't you? Why don't you make money? And then we get a bunch of reasons why not. All right. It's a very normal story. Uh, taxation, although you, you people in Dubai don't have a clue what taxation is, I think, still. <laughs> okay. So, so the idea is that taxation, most for the rest of the world, really, um, you get a salary and half of that, more or less, half of that goes to tax. Okay. I know it's a weird concept for you, but <laughs> it's real. <laughs> okay. So, so the idea is that he says, with taxation system in my country, how could I ever save money? Okay. With inflation, you know, like cost of living, it keeps getting higher. How do I ever save money? So he has some really solid. You know, his parents were poor. He could never afford some really awesome expensive educations. Hence, 
he's here. So, so how do you blame him? How do you not understand his reasoning? Okay. So, so that's what they come to, come to us with usually blaming something else outside of them for their results. And I don't have a problem with that. I can let you continue that life problem is that I can't help you for as long as we got to fix those things. I'm a powerful coach, but here's the thing. If, if I got to work with that, which you just said, well, I will tell you for our next session, because you obviously perfect, there's nothing for you to change. Uh, for our next session, why don't you bring me the taxation system of your country? And I'll go into government, do my best to, to, to help them change their mind, give you a ease or change the taxation system of your country. Uh, give me the inflation, bring it to our coaching session, and I'll do my best to undo this global crisis and make inflation go backwards. You know, like I, I make it kind of ridiculous for them to realize that for as long as you don't take responsibility for your results or whatever your play was in creating this result, there's nothing I can do for you. There's just nothing I can help you with because, dude, it's, it's, a, it's a tall order, I think, to change the taxation system of any country. It's just for, for, so far from my expertise, if you know. But, but this is, and, and this is basically a, a victim mindset, correct? That's that's a different words. That's called uh, victimize, uh, victimhood mentality. So, but mind you, though, who's making you a victim? Your attitude, your own attitude, how to relate to this result, makes you the victim. If you know what I mean, not somebody else. So, so solely depending from this attitude, you get to experience life in a certain way. Because somebody who says, "Well, it's in my life," that means I created it somehow. I don't know how specific. I don't care. It's in my life. What can I learn from this? How can I do something else so I can get a different result? It's a very healthy attitude, really. Okay? It requires you to take responsibility for the creation of this result. So you empower yourself in the process. And if you do the pros and cons, you'll see it's, it's such an easy decision because on the, on the pros side, you, you, you're feeling empowered. Your state changes. There's hope. So you attempt doing things differently from now on. You, this hope. So, so you're inspired, motivated, and, and off you go, healthier because of that. Where, where the con side of that, choosing, making that choice of empowerment is, well, then you got to blame yourself. Mind you, though, I don't mention blame and I don't want you to blame yourself. I want you to take responsibility. It's two different terms altogether. Okay? But there is room for somebody who says, it's all my fault. Man, I was so stupid. I did this, you know? But the moment you get over that, it's okay, what do I do now? Since I created this somehow, what can I learn from this? How can I create something else now? If you will choose the responsibility for it, you are presupposing that you have some creative powers and you have a say in this. So it's a very empowering attitude that only you can give yourself and adopt this attitude. Mind you, even that attitude is also something you learned. Remember when I said when you came to this world as a baby, you don't know what's what, but you learned, you modeled your parents. Something happened in, in and by the way, this is so common everywhere. Look at your parents, look at anyone's parents, look at anybody in your life. Something nice happens in our life. You go, well done, buddy. You know, like, like we take responsibility for results that we like, okay? We do it already. We, we take this empowerment route and we go, hey, I created this with my, you know, this business, I did this. Then we are happy with the result. However, what happens the moment we are not happy with our result? Oh, it happened to me. They did it. Those people, those energies, and I, God knows what excuses people come up with. But it's comforting, so they do it. They're off the hook. Is it making sense? So most people go there and change the laws of the universe solely depending from their fondness of the, of the result. It's kind of funny. So my job is as a coach in this context to explain this to my client to the best of my ability for them to see what they are doing to themselves. And then it's up to them to go, you know what? It makes no sense for me to continue torturing myself, victimizing myself with all these crippling, self-debilitating ideas of... You know, you know, it was bad luck, right? Shit, I wasn't there when luck was dished out. You know, like I got dealt those cards in life. It's, it's a reasonable statement based on your life experience, but it's, it's a horribly debilitating one because guess what? There's nothing you can do if it wasn't up to you. Okay, so we call it victimizing, victimhood mentality, and, and so many people live on that side of their life, really. So the idea is that once they understand that, they go, okay, so if I continue this, I'm just going to have more pain and suffering and no ability, no say, do anything about it. So most people choose to take some level of responsibility and step up in life. The moment they do that, hope shows up. And then in the coaching terms, any life coach, I'm giving you now back to labels, right? I'm introducing the label. 
life coach shows up in this context, teaches them a little bit about empowerment to the best of their ability, client steps up, the hope shows up, and then we can ask them to a different life coaching modalities, different, different quality questions. That basically, I'm, I'm going to chunk up life coaching as an industry into coaches who have different frameworks. In other words, different sets of good quality questions that we ask our clients. In that process, clients get insights. They get to understand themselves better. They get to be clearer about what they want in life. So many people are so clear what they don't want in life, right? They have immense clarity about it. I was wondering what would happen if they had the same amount of clarity about what they do want, you know? <laughs> so, so we help them get that clarity. Mind you, when hope is there, in a way, the clients start, they, they, they allow themselves to, they dare to dream again. The moment we have them there, we help them, you know, conjure a, a very specific dream, what it is that they really want, and that becomes a goal. And then, you know, the term that you're aware of, goal setting and stuff, and then we call them accountable. Because I can't live it that life for you. I got to let you go out of my coaching session and, and you got to do things differently. Okay? And some clients do. They come back. They have better results to report. And then we call it coaching because we are in the client's corner, keeping their thinking on the track, giving them feedback about whatever they come to back, back to us with, keeping them on the, on the right path, that kind of thing, in terms of what they want. Mind you, not on the right path based on what I believe you should live your life like, but rather based on their dream of what it is that they wanted to achieve. So that's where life coaching as an industry globally operates, regardless of the school, should I say, that a life coach went to. Although many didn't even do that. They just called themselves life coach. Yeah, just a question on that. Because so, so the way what I've just been writing down is, is the, the initial stage is sort of taking the blinders off, right? Like opening people up. Yeah, waking up to, uh, let's call it reality, um, and, and sort of the current state of play, which people need to take responsibility for and need to be accountable for. The second one would be, as a result of doing that, hope shows up. And you would essentially then help empower, um, empower these people to get clarity and, uh, and, and take it to the next level. At, at that point, uh, where my question is going is we're now talking about things like goal setting, right? Because now you, uh, you've taken the blinders off, you're, you're hopeful, you dare to dream again, you feel empowered, you're clear, you start goal setting. What role do you then play after that? Because I think that's sort of a, a very crucial stage that will then take you to the next level. Let me let me take you through the, through the rest of the story because my story is, is it just kind of started there in terms of where, who is who in terms of industry. Remember you mentioned NLP as well. Yeah, I didn't mention yet on this journey. So if we go big picture again, the results are caused by behavior, right? And all life coaching modalities work within that framework. In a nutshell, we understand that, and it's our job to help them realize that. Once they do, get clarity, get some goals set, and, and then we kind of stay in their path and keep their thinking right in terms of creating those goals keeping clients responsible for creating those goals, not us, right? So that's where life coaching is. However, buddy, from my point of view, in the context of what can I do for you as another human being, when it comes to, remember, why did the client come to me in the first place? We said they have a result and they want to change it, okay? And in my books, and, and I want to apologize because this is going to be public, I guess, to some extent, this video, I want to apologize to any ignorant, and by ignorant, I mean uneducated in this context, to any ignorant life coach out there, I want to apologize up front by what I'm about to say, <laughs> okay? In my model of the world, when it comes in the context of what can you do for me when, when I'm looking for change in my life, life coaches in, in this industry, they exist on a lowest, how do I say this? Lowest level of existence on this scale is, is a life coach because life coach is just not trained to help you create change. If any change happens for the client, is because of those good quality questions that the clients have a little aha moment or insight and they go, oh, and that can create change. But to create a change specifically for something very specific, life coaches just don't have that knowledge nor a skill set to do anything like that. Okay. So now that's where kind of the open door into NLP because NLPers are trained much deeper in this context of change. Okay. They understand the neurology far, not far better. Like, Life coaches, normal life coaches, or should I say just a life coach, they don't have access to any of this knowledge per se, unless they also done other training, obviously. So, so here's the thing. Somebody clever said at some point in time, well, if, if all this behavior is causing my results, great. All I need to do is change my habits, change my behavior. 
so Stefan, how easy is to change a habit? <laughs> it's it's super hard. Everybody knows that, right? Changing habits is like you know, good luck with that. Okay. So so life coaches don't have the skill to help you change a habit. They can just hold you responsible and and motivate you even, I guess, in a way to stay on this path until change happens. Where with, even with a basic NLP person, how about this? I'll, I'll make some, some too good to be true statements. Almost any NLP out there, I believe, should be equipped with a skill set to take the client into the office and client says, I have this behavior that I've been having for years. I don't care how long. It's, it's a habit, right? It's automated. Okay, it's an autopilot. It's habitual, he said. Whatever the habit is, NLP will say, okay, what do you want to do instead, though? So say, well, I want to replace this behavior with this one. You know, I don't know, a healthier one, better one. Okay? But if within 10, 15 minutes, my client as an NLP, and I'm so much more than just an NLP, by the way, but as an NLP alone, my client would walk away 15 minutes later with a new habit installed. Not just old habit broken up, if you know what I mean. New habit installed. That should sound far too good to be true, you know, for anybody out there, regardless of, uh, should I say, level of education. Okay? What's, what's kind of cool in my world is that I get to say those things, but I usually say them on the stage, not on a call like this, because I know I'm about to demonstrate. Everything I teach that sounds too good to be true, I'm just asking my students to consider, but what if it was possible? Would it be worthwhile sitting around two hours more until I get to a point when I teach them how to do it and demonstrate, you know, with a real human being, one of them really, my students and my clients in, in that, in that uh, you know, in, in the training room. So doesn't sound amazing that we have the skill. And mind you, this is not like a breakthrough, uh, latest scientific knowledge. This is known for last 50, 60 years since NLP kind of came up. How to install new habits? That's easy for any NLP. Okay? So mind you, results are caused by behavior. Over 95% of all our behavior is habitual. I don't know if you knew the, the, that staggering number that it's really that autopilot. Like when you're driving a car, you're not driving, you learn to drive. That was conscious part when you were like, had effort about it. But before, you know, unconscious mind learned, he said, got it, buddy, I'll drive from now on, you do whatever you want to do, I'll drive for you, like he does everything else for you on autopilot, right? Over 95% of all our behavior is autopilot, so a life coach sending a client out there in the real world, going out do things differently, he will, for the entire 5% of his day. But everything else is going to happen on habitually. So it's a very, should I say, difficult war to win. You know, you need five heroes to win that fight, if you know what I mean, this 5% versus 95 of habitual. Habitual meaning effortless, conscious meaning hard work, effort, right? Because you're going to apply your all, all your will to do it. So that's why that life coaching story usually doesn't end too well for most clients because they just don't have the, the persistence, perseverance, that, that attitude to, to do it until it's done, but they give up two weeks late. Just too damn hard. Controlling your thinking and be positive. <laughs> you know, like focus on what you want and stop moaning. I mean, if they're used to doing it, it just comes naturally. They're not even aware of it while they're doing it. So it's a very, it's it's almost as difficult to do as, as making affirmations work. They work for as long as you're doing it. When you stop doing it, you realize nothing changed and everything just carries on the way it always was because change has to happen within the conditioning. Let me get to that point. So behavior habitually creates results. And Peter said, hey, but if 95% of all my behavior is on autopilot, it's habitual, who says which behavior? Like, like, what causes that? Okay? So science shows us it's our state. You know, our emotions, you know, the emotions are important. So our state, state of mind, is what governs all our behavior. In the past, I didn't know this, by the way. I thought that you do things, meaning behavior, and then you feel good about it. As in states kind of follow the behavior. But it's really the other way around. If you think about it, it's easy to, to relate to this. Whatever state you're in, let's say you're in a really angry state. Do you have choice over your behavior? We love to believe that we do, obviously, right? But the idea is that depending from the volume of anger, you could be from you know, mild irritation to anger all the way to rage, I guess. It's all what we call anger. So whatever state you're in, you have a range of behavior that you can access. You have a choice. You could squeeze a fist real tight or cleanse your teeth or punch the wall with your fist, like some people do, break something they're going to buy later on. As in, like, it makes no sense. It's not logical. It's not, uh, should I say, there's no intelligence in place. Because when we are unresourceful, when we are under stress, let's say, all our systems switch off, all our growth mechanisms switch off, your immune system switches off, literally. Your digestion system switches off, literally. 
your, 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 your brain, we have this frontal lobe that separates us from the rest of the animal kingdom in terms of our intelligence is there, right? So when you're stressing, you have no access to frontal lobe. I don't know if you know this. You're back into reptilian brain mode and you're not different to animals. That's why we act like animals. We do things, we say stuff, we regret later on. Honey, I wasn't myself asking for forgiveness, right? Yeah, you weren't yourself. You were this animalistic. You were not intelligent you. Because when we are stressing, we have no access to intelligence. We are getting fatter. Immune system is off. We're getting sicker. Hence why all doctors agree that, that over 97% of all our diseases are caused by stress, they say. Okay? So, mind you, there's so many topics we could, we could go into. I'm trying to stay with this big picture story. So, so the idea is that uh, when we are in a certain state, whether it's positive or negative, it doesn't matter. When you're in a state, you always have a choice and you have a range of behavior you can access. If it's unresourceful state, you have a range of unresourceful behaviors. <laughs> you know, like punch a wall or punch a window. <laughs> you know what I mean? You get to do something stupid no matter what you choose. Okay? So, so understanding that state causes all our behaviors, governs our behaviors. And therefore, state that, that means that state is causing all our results. The whole world went crazy when they figured this out scientifically, and suddenly we have the whole new industry of motivation speaking. That works. Motivation speaker goes to town, you know, to a company, he, he delivers a speech, he says the right things. What happens? People get motivated, right? Let's say sales, sales stuff, they get motivated, and off they go. He gets paid, company spends some money on this, on this guy. What happens then? All these guys, they get motivated, their state changes, they go back to work, and they do, mind you, they didn't get one new technique of how to do better sales, how to close people. There's no strategic in terms of uh, skill set. They just heard a story or two, if you know what I mean. So with no acquisition of new skill set, they perform way better and close way more business. Therefore, it makes sense for corporate, let's say, to keep hiring motivation speakers because they make more money extra than what they spend. Okay? My challenge with that situation, though, is they get motivated, but for how long? Because for some people, that will stay for a week or so, I guess. For some people, maybe two hours. And he goes home, he puts key in, into his door, and you know, he remembers who's on the other side, <laughs> let's say, in a not-so-good relationships. What happens? Well, he, he stays. He goes to crap. All the motivation gone. Okay? He comes back to work, bringing last night arguments. You know, he, he's gone from that state. He won't perform any better. But some guys do, and it still works as, as a business model, if you know what I mean. So, so the idea is, in my world, anytime when you're not, when your motivation is not self-initiated, then it's not self-sustainable. You see, the root cause of their motivation was the guy, the speaker, right, who left the building in the same afternoon. Yeah? Where when your motivation is self-initiated and it comes from within you, you don't need anything outside of you to, to keep you inspired or to keep you motivated. That's a very different kind of motivation. Anyway, you get the point that state creates all our behaviors and therefore, as a chain effect, creates all our results. Yeah. Hence the whole, I don't know if you've been around when The Secret came out, that, that really a book and a DVD, right? DVD, God, I didn't see a DVD in a long time. <laughs> like a physical DVD. Shit, I'm old. <laughs> so, 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 so the idea is uh, be positive. Keep happy state on. You know, the whole motivational guys, I don't know if you know the American style. Like, hey, happy state all the time. You know, you know, be motivated. Like, there's no room for downtime. I'm like, whoa, that's intense, you know. Who gets to be Peter Pan and, and just have happy thoughts all the time? Mind you, I'm telling you in a way, my own journey as, as a human being, because I've been through all those different modalities, different trainings, learning about how to get better results. So I'm kind of telling you also in how the sequence of how I learned all this. Because I remember me going to this and I was like, dude, I was tired. I was tired out of my mind. I remember my wife complaining that we were happier prior to me learning any of this. Because back then I was a normal guy from Serbia complaining about my problems with my friends. And, and you know, the evenings are like three hours meet where each one of us on the table, who, whose problem is bigger, right? And, and we felt, should I say, a part of something together. You know, like we, we, we had problems, but everybody had problems. So it was okay, right? Now I turned into this freaking positive guy all the time, <laughs> you know? And she found it annoying, I think. <laughs> so, so, no, no, and it was hard work for me. I was policing my own head all the time. Happy thoughts, happy thoughts. If I have a negative one, I had to banish it out of my mind. And, and just sheer will and persistence to control my thinking, to control my states. Man, I wish I didn't do it, but I'm glad I did. So, so you know, I, I know how it is trying to do that. It's hard work. And, and I guess it's possible to win that. 
I got a lot of benefit from it myself. But man, that was a really hard path to take. Okay, because I didn't know the rest of the story, which is coming. <laughs> okay, so 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 fast forward. What changed for me is when I understood that much like behavior, habitual, our states are also habitual. Ninety-five percent of all my states are on autopilot too. You know, when you wake up in the morning in a bad mood, and your spouse is like, "Hey, what's up with you?" You go, "I don't know." The moon, the tides. The, the I, w- I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, become a bit reason, any reason we can come up with that makes any sense whatsoever for us to let it go. Nobody says, man, I woke up this morning and I decided to feel shitty today. Nobody does that, right? So, so, so states also happen to us automatically. It's also part of our programming. So where is this coming from? Somebody clever said, what's causing our states? And the answer is this last bit of my big picture story, behavior, pardon, the results are caused by behavior. Behavior is caused by states. States are caused by our conditioning. And conditioning is just a fancy word, a database, some total of all our experience of life, memories, our learnings, beliefs, values, you know, what's important to us, decisions, some total of our life experience. It's like a database of all those experiences, little programs. In NLP, we call it programming. (laughs) Okay. It's a bunch of programs that are running on autopilot for us, serving us. So if you learn a stupid thing, it's going to serve you in a very stupid way, <laughs> you know? But if you update your conditioning with some stuff that's useful to you today, suddenly you're having this effortless creation of stuff you do want to have. So instead of being the policeman in my own head and trying to consciously create the results I wanted, I kind of chose the smarter, smarter path. I, I keep myself with a set skill set and knowledge that allows me to go and play within any part of this, whether it's behavior, state, or conditioning, and I get to reprogram my nervous system any way I please. Kind of wiring it for whatever seems optimal to me in terms of what I would want it to do for me. So that my quality of life becomes effortlessly the way I would prefer it to be. Dude, I wake up in a good mood. I don't ask me why. I don't need a reason. I don't do it. It just, I'm inspired. Mind you, it does help doing what I do because, man, once I discovered this whole, remember my story, I was chasing money my whole life. Then I started coaching. Even then, I started coaching so I could make a living. But man, a couple of deeper sessions with my clients changed my life completely. I don't know how much time we have. Can I tell you a quick story? That yeah, please. Moment. Buddy, I'm still in the Robert uh, make money mode, okay? Uh, I don't want to say shallow, but yeah, very shallow comparing to how I experience myself today, spiritually. So one phone call, a mom calls me and she says she has a 16 or 14, 16 year old, 16 year old girl. This was a long time ago. This was 15 years ago. Uh, she, she, she says her daughter is for the last four years out of school. She's deeply depressed. Uh, she is on medication, heavy meds, but her day in a nutshell is she wakes up in the morning. She sits on her bed and she's staring at the wall until 4 or 5 PM. 5 PM comes on because she's under heavy meds and stuff. 5 p.m. comes, regardless of the meds, she cries till late at night. Whatever deep depression that is cry, mind you, back then, I didn't know about legal things that much. Uh, today, a coach or anybody really should not work with anybody who's been diagnosed. Somebody says, I'm diagnosed with depression. I'm like, great, call your doctor and ask for referral that I can work with. Otherwise, I could be sued for interfering with a the therapy in progress, right? So I, as a coach, I can't diagnose, undiagnose, prescribe, you know, all those little legal things. So back then, I don't know what she said, I don't remember clearly, uh, but she did mention some deep depression type of thing. And can I help? And I'm like, I think I can, but you know, how do I ever promise something? Can I see her? Can I speak to her first? And, and she says, listen, of course you can, but I need you to understand, I'm doing this for the last four years. I've been to every guy with a beard, she said, in the, in the town, from psychologists, psychiatrists, to, to veteran this, to veteran that, to these energy people. She named everybody. In fact, back then, life coaching wasn't a thing. Okay, so so I found that people come to me after they've been everywhere else. <laughs> you know, they're just desperately looking still for whatever. So she said something cool. She said, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving up on my daughter. And I just don't want to take her to another guy with a beard and nothing happens. I'm like, I hear your frustration, but I can't promise anything. I didn't even see the girl. Does she even want to get better? Because mind you, I'm one of those crazy coaches that unless you are the client, I can't work with you because your mom said so. I can't fix you or change you the way your mom wants you to be. You as a client, you got to tell me, raise a hand, say, I have a problem. I wish it was different. Then I see no limitations. in So she comes over. 
and 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 to fast forward, but imagine a session that was one hour and fifteen minutes long. Don't ask me what did you do, but one hour and fifteen minutes later, I'm not done with my fancy stuff, but we did some really awesome things. She jumps, sixteen year old. She jumps. Mind you, I don't know if you can take a picture. I see sixteen year old girl. You're probably imagining a vortex of energy, a girl that's like vibrant and and you know full of life, really. Well, not if she's deeply depressed and then this vortex is off. You know what I mean? She couldn't even tell me, I want to get better, right? She was like, I'm going to ask her, would she want to change this if it was even possible? She barely said, mm-hmm. you know, like she, she gave me a little bit of hope that she's there and she, and she would want things different. So one hour, 15 minutes later, she jumps out of the, of the couch she was sitting on. She storms out of the room, goes to the room next door where her mom was. She barges in, she says, mom, I'm hungry. Let's eat something. I don't know if you can imagine the scene, buddy, because I'm like, honest to God, I'm like, I'm getting paid, as in this work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mind you, I was like, I got to get paid. So, so, so that was the moment that transformed my life full on. Mom stands up, and, and, and I don't know how familiar you are with the, with the, with the opposite sex, the feminine force. There's this, this crazy thing happening for a guy observing two ladies, mom and a daughter. They're hugging. They're, they're, they're laughing and they're crying at the same time. This was a mind-boggling scene from for a man brain. <laughs> you know, like I'm really, are you happy or not? They're not happy. They're happy. <laughs> you know, like I was very, very silly with those things. So, so buddy, they had their little moment that's so deep for me now. But back then it was like, I'm getting paid. This worked, right? But then mom turns to me and she hugged me, but I still remember like, like this. She put her claws on me and, and nobody ever hugged me this way. She, she clamped me like, and then she, she still holding me very firmly, but being very gentle, you know, in a way she, she, she leaned on my chest and she, she was sobbing there. She was crying as in, she was really crying. Like my, 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 my chest was wet later. It's like, she was sobbing here and she whispers to, to, to her tears. She says, thank you for giving me my daughter back. Man, in that moment, something changed for me. Robert, the, let's make a good living somehow. <laughs> right. Guy. Dude, I don't know. I was never a negative guy. I would help Granny cross the road. I would help other people. As in, I had no ill intentions ever, really. But I think I never, before the moment, I never knew the meaning of the word contribution. As in, for the first time in my life, I think I felt the, the actual meaning of contribution. So since then, my life became about contribution. Today, I can't sleep. Unless I know I helped somebody today, it's it's, it's a, such a overwhelming, joyful feeling that I know that what I did in my time in this world mattered, as in it helped other people. So I can help you get a glass of water, or I can help you let go of your traumatic experience from your past, or I can help you create a life of your dreams. Or it seems to me that the more meaning there is for them in their life, the more juice I get back. If you know what I mean, it's it's energizing, it's thrilling. It's humbling at the same time. And I get to live this inspired life that I never signed up for consciously. I, I never dreamed about this life, if you know what I mean. So, so when they ask me, how do you have energy? Because if you only knew what I do in my day, if you know what I mean, in my business and in my life, how do you get to be in all those places at the same time? You're like, I guess best metaphor is, you know, like it's like my kid. My, my son is 13 years old now and a teenager and his life's games and stuff, right? Ask him if he's going to play a game all night. If I let him, he'll play games all night. Do you think he'll complain tomorrow about it? No, he'll go another night. As in like, it's like, why stop playing? Well, I made my job. It kind of turned into a calling, if that makes sense. My career became some sort of a calling. And I don't want to make it sound too metaphysical or spiritual, but it really is something made of spirit for me because it's not physical, if that makes sense. Those are spiritual needs rather than physical needs. My physical needs are met. I've got food, I've got shelter, I've got the physical needs, right? Spiritual need is one of those growth and contribution. So for me, that's my driving force. And, and it's like, uh, it's 5 p.m., 6 p.m., gotta go home. It's like, there's family there, <laughs> you know? But I, I rush there because I, lo- I love my family. But it's not like I felt like I spent a whole day working, if you know what I mean. Man, in my training, like, like this life coach training that I'm running now, we call it RSCI coach training, but most people are looking for life coach training or NLP training or hypnosis or whatever they're looking for. I'm like, this is the training, 10 days. <laughs> you know, it's just a label because my training includes all those things and so much more that doesn't even have a box yet. 
all these gathered knowledge are found from obscure places in life, like, like Hawaii. They have some really cool tools there that this world just needs to hear about. Tibet, Western science, like quantum physics. I've got it all under one roof. I don't have a name for it. So it's called Robert Simic Coaching Institute, where science and, 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 and spirituality comes in unity because it's the same thing for so, so that sounds like an ad. <laughs> I should write it down. <laughs> the idea is that, that uh, when you're living life this way, you're energized, you're playing. And, and, and for me, why would I ever want to stop playing? Just don't ask me to talk about sports or talk about some other stuff I used to care about because I, I, I almost think I'm socially probably a boring guy. It's like, I don't have much to add to value, as value, right? Ask me about mind, the neurology, nervous system, neurons, Quantum, like I'm, I'm, I'm all in, and I don't need to motivate myself. If that makes sense. Sorry, I go like this, you know. <laughs> but it's the same thing because on, on the ten days training, imagine nine a.m. we start. I'm supposed to finish by eight p.m. It's still a full day on the stage as a, as the only speaker, if you know what I mean. Imagine me running like that, but till eleven, till twelve, because they don't want to go home. For ten days, sometimes twenty-four days, when when master coach is right after that. How do you do it? I don't know how. This body does it. I'm just, I'm energized from it. <laughs> because it has so much meaning for people. It has so, it reaches so deeply. It's, it's not this, thanks for helping me. It's thank you for transforming my life. Thank you for, it's a very different life experience that, that happens for human beings when they get this deeper understanding of the nature behind human experience. How we construct this, our reality, and, and how we can create different results. It's very empowering and it's humbling at the same time. I could literally listen to you speak for forever. And, and, and stories like this are just so incredibly inspiring. And I hope one, you know, that, that it sort of forces listeners to, to look at themselves and, and see where they want to change and, and, and know that there's people like yourself out there that could help them on the right path. And, and with that, I, I just want to say before we close, you know, if people want to find out more about you and about what you do, where could they go? Easiest to spell. You type in rsimic.com. That will redirect you to the main website. Or type Robert Simic. Simic, really. <laughs> type Robert Simic in Google. Big G really likes us. Uh, it's easy. It's super easy to, to, to find us. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, private clients, one-on-one, I do them. It's just that uh, it tends to be lately reserved for very specific kind of people. They call me billionaire coach. They call me all sorts of funny names um, because most of my clientele is people who can afford the rate of $10,000 per hour. So I understand it's not easy for, for everybody kind of thing, but man, I give so much and I train so many other coaches. It really doesn't have to be me. That's the whole point where you will know, contact us and we refer you to, to a, one of my coaches. People I train, they'll do the same stuff I do. Kind of, okay. Or for people who want to, Still experience, I don't know, being coached by me in person, but in a group context, they're welcome to join our life coach training. So much more than that. But they can join for 10 days. I'll work with them personally for them. Guys, guys, I'm like, I give you my soul and my heart for 10 days and nine nights, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So, so they get all of me. And I don't think there is a real difference for most of them. Most, most of their feedback is like, dude, I, I felt like you're speaking to me the entire training, even though there was 20 or 60 people in that room. You know what I mean? So, so it's a really cheap, affordable, easy way out to come for personal development and still sign up for the whole training of becoming a coach. You don't need to want to become a coach. You just need to get your own stuff sorted out in this process. And it will happen that you also learn how to do it for others. If you wanted to help anybody, any human being, never mind your own children one day or your, your, your spouse or somebody who needs help on this level. So, so you don't need to be inspired to change career and those things to, to sign up for such training. It's, it's personal growth as a, as a signature of what's happening in that room. Uh, obviously, for people who are interested in changing career or inspired by, I don't know, living this life as a coach and, and working with people, if that inspires them more than being, excuse my French, now being a slave in someone else's company. <laughs> you know, mind you, I don't mock that. It's great. Go, go do whatever inspires you. As long as it's exciting for you, as long as you're passionate about your work, I don't care who your boss is. I'm not mocking or objecting people having uh, salaries and, and employment. That's, it's all great. I'm kind of speaking more to those who are there, but they hate it and they're dying and they feel suffocated and they want out, but they're in a trap. How do I get out? 
How do I reinvent myself and start my business? Like, I don't have other qualifications. I'm like, if this kind of work inspires you, the only qualification you really need, come for 10 days training. 10 days is something I think one could afford as an investment. You'll walk out with a complete new career that you can totally, next day, mind you, training ends on Sunday, let's say. You could have clients on Monday and deliver a session that, again, forgive me my bluntness, some psychologists, psychiatrists don't even dream possible. The level of work, the level of depth that's possible today to, to be done. Okay, for what it's worth, I hear veteran psychologists, psychiatrists coming for my training. People with five PhDs come for the same training. So I don't mock it. I'm just positioning it, you know, if that's okay. So I'm thinking whatever your background is, you want it for yourself, you're welcome in my training room. You want to change your career and, 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 and become a coach, not learn about coaching. Become a coach because throughout the process, you'll be a client in my training room. You sort out your own stuff so you can deliver so much more. New life starts, new career starts. You get to buy your own time back and create your life from there on in that way. I hope that was what you wanted me to, to, to answer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for whoever wants to change their life, if you want to change someone else's, um, I'm definitely going to do this these 10 days. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. So whoever wants to join me, um, you know, get in touch and, and we'll do it together. Robert, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. I learned a tremendous amount and time flew in just an hour and a bit. Thank you so much for being here. We're super, super grateful. My pleasure, buddy. I hope to see you in Dubai this November then. Absolutely. I hope you all learn as much as I did from Robert. First off, one quote that I found particularly powerful is, the grass is not greener on the other side, it's greener where you water it. Now, on to today's lessons. Number one, your beliefs are not your identity. You can change. When we come into this world, we didn't have any beliefs or thoughts or thought processes. It's all learned. We started modeling our environment and people to learn about what we can and can't do. The sum total of all that has been imprinted in our psyche. Changing those beliefs does not change who you are. You're simply reprogramming the conditioning from the past. And as we learned, that's very possible. Number two, things can change in an instant. And it's important that we're ready for that. We've all faced change for better or for worse. So it's important to always remember that everything in life is impermanent. And we must be ready for whatever life throws at us. I've done this by controlling whatever I can but also accepting the areas where I have no control. Number three, take a moment right now and reflect on everything you already have in life. What can you be happy about, proud of, content with? We often seem to be on this treadmill, running after something and chasing it while forgetting what we already have. Number four, when you need more, you're coming out of lack and desperation. When you have what you want and you want more, that's absolutely natural. Take a second and think of how this applies to your own life and thought processes. Number five, you're likely to have a result in your life that you want to change. Let's start calling it a result rather than a problem. It's something that has happened over time and has resulted in your current reality. And finally, once we feel empowered, once we take accountability for our actions and are ready to make conscious changes, hope will show up. And that's where life coaches can come in and give you even more clarity, help you to dare dream again, set goals and do things differently. If that sounds attractive to you, you can get in touch with the Robert Simich Institute here in Dubai and around the world to learn more.